Auburn Volleyball, FM 91.1, WEGL. What's going on, guys? You're listening to Moonlight Madness on Weagle 91.1 from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday. I'm Jacob Goins, and over the next hour, I'll be discussing the hottest topics in sports around the country and around Auburn athletics. Follow me on Twitter at Goins2Jacob, that's G-O-I-N-S, the number two, Jacob, for all show updates and other sporting news. Let's get into the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome into Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. We are back for another week of Moonlight Madness. We're going to talk a lot of sports here tonight. I appreciate everybody listening in. If you're listening live here on Weagle 91.1 FM on the website, WGLFM.com, or if you're listening to the podcast later on, I really do appreciate you. You can always find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Moonlight Madness wherever you get your podcast. It's every Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Again, I appreciate everybody listening, listening in live or on the podcast. It is just me tonight. It is by myself. First time in a while, so we'll see how this thing goes. But I got a lot of good topics. We got a lot to talk about in the sports world. So with that, we will jump right into it. Announcement, of course, last week I talked about how I accepted a new job, and I am now with the Auburn Network Incorporated, Auburn Network LLC, and I'm on a new show. It's called On the Line. It's on ESPN 106.7 here in Auburn. It's Fox Sports Central Alabama as well. You can find it on the website, auburnnetwork.com, or on ESPN 106.7's website. It's every day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4. It's me and Noah Gardner. It's been a lot of fun, man. We uh, we talk everything sports. It's a two-hour show every single day. We cover a lot of topics. We try to have two guests on, one per hour, and that really seems to work out really well. we got some great people that we come on or have on every week. And overall, man, I'm having a blast on that show. It's a lot of fun. Noah does a great job producing that show and, and getting me involved and it's a lot of fun being his new co-host so glad I'm able to do that with Noah now and um yeah make sure you listen in on the line Monday through Friday 2 to 4 on ESPN 106.7 on the website and on the app you can download that app as well just wanted to make sure I get that out there because that's my new gig I'm doing that every day Monday through Friday from 2 to 4 central time so make sure you listen into that it's a lot of fun and I'm really enjoying it over there with Noah well with that we will jump into the big three Number one of the big three this week, conference championship game recap. Last week, we previewed the NFL conference championship games that were coming on last weekend. And man, I thought that the divisional round couldn't be topped. And I won't say that it was, but man, it was pretty close. It really doesn't get closer than that when it came to how good both of the conference championship game was, or excuse me, how good both of those conference championship games were. That's the grammar. And... I mean, they were just great games. Both of them were really, really entertaining to watch. And the first game was in overtime, and the second game was a three-point game. Both were three-point games. First one was in overtime, and the second one came down to the wire. Of course, now we have our Super Bowl matchup. The Cincinnati Bengals and the L.A. Rams are your two Super Bowl teams, the AFC representatives, the Cincinnati Bengals, and the NFC representatives of the Los Angeles Rams. Of course, the game being played in Los Angeles in the Rams SoFi Stadium, second time in a row that a Super Bowl team will be playing in their home stadium. 
It is not technically a home game. It's technically supposed to be a neutral site game. But that's definitely an advantage uh, for the Rams to have the Super Bowl played in their home stadium. Of course, last season, Tom Brady and the Bucks had their Super Bowl in Tampa Bay where they came away with a victory. But, again, we have it again. The L.A. Rams playing against the Cincinnati Bengals in the Super Bowl in SoFi Stadium out in Los Angeles. Not this week, but next Sunday, the 13th, I believe, February 13th, is Super Bowl Sunday, the big game around the country. But, yes, the Cincinnati Bengals, for the first time in a long time, they are in the Super Bowl yet again for the third time in franchise history. Joe Burrow, second-year quarterback out of LSU, has taken his team from 0 to 100 real quick and has taken this team and put them in the Super Bowl with maybe not an outstanding performance on his part, but he got it done when he needed to do it, and he took the Chiefs down to the wire, took the game to overtime, and ultimately won that thing, and they were down by 11 points. They were down by more than that. I think it was 14 at some point in the first half. Got it down to an 11-point game at the half, the exact same scenario that these two teams had the first time they played in Cincinnati in week 17, I believe. It's the exact same scenario. They were down by 11, came back and beat the Chiefs then. They did the exact same thing in this game. They came back, took the game to overtime, and then game-winning field goal in overtime to win this thing. And I'll tell you what, I'll be honest, I did not have any faith in the Bengals to make it this far in the playoffs. And I thought they were going to run into a buzzsaw of the Kansas City Chiefs in the championship game. But... And they did for the first half, but then the then the Bengals decided, hey, I guess we'll start playing football again. And they did, and the defense played lights out in the second half of that game. It was unbelievable to see the defense of the Cincinnati Bengals step up and stop Patrick Mahomes and that electric offense in the second half. First half, the Chiefs put up 21 points, did whatever they wanted to do against the defense. Then the second half, they put up three points, and that was it. The Bengals, And plus the overtime period, the Bengals played – outstanding defense played out of their minds in that second half. And they really ultimately won the game and gave the offense a chance to come back and win that thing. Joe Burrow, 250 yards, 23 of 38, two touchdowns and a pick. Patrick Mahomes, 275 yards, 26 of 39, three touchdowns, but two timely interceptions that really gave the Bengals life both times and and ultimately let the Bengals come back and win this thing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was really a second-half game. Or it was, it was a tale of two halves, if you will. The Chiefs were dominating in the first half and then couldn't do anything in the second half. The Bengals didn't show life until the end of the first half and then came out and played phenomenal in the second half, ultimately won, and now they're going to the Super Bowl in just the second year of Joe Burrow's long-tenured career for what I, what I picture he's going to have a long, good career. And so now they'll be playing against the Los Angeles Rams a team that defeated the 49ers in the NFC Championship game by 20-17. to The Bengals won 27-24 in overtime, and then the Rams on the very next game came out and beat the 49ers 20-17. to Matthew Stafford going to his first ever Super Bowl after playing in Detroit for 12 or 13 years and never even making a playoff game. And now he's in the Super Bowl. It's crazy when he changes teams and gets to a team – that actually puts some weapons around him and actually cares about winning, it's, it's amazing what the guy's been able to do. 
Um, I'm not the biggest Matthew Stafford fan. I'm going to be really honest with you guys. I'm not the biggest Matthew Stafford fan. Just because he played for the Lions for so long, I'm a big Packers fan, as all of you know. But I'm happy for him. I really am. He, he deserves it. He's a good dude. He's a good quarterback. And it obviously shows when he's got some weapons around him, and he's got them this year, that he can do something and make, make the playoffs and make a run to a Super Bowl. But they played a 49ers team that was coming off a couple big wins and a 49ers team that could be a thorn in the side of a lot of teams over this season. And this was not the first time that these two teams had met up. They had played twice in the regular season, and 49ers won both games. They won the first game 31-10 to and the second game 27-24. So they were out and had the Rams number, or yeah, they had the Rams number all season long. But now in this NFC Championship game, you know, they they were up. They were up in the fourth quarter, but then Matthew Stafford came out, put 13 points on the board in the fourth quarter to ultimately come back and win this thing 20-17. to Matthew Stafford, 337 yards, 31-45, to two touchdowns and a pick. Jimmy Garoppolo, 232, 16 for 30 with two touchdowns and a pick himself. And it was a back-and-forth game, and then the 49ers made it a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter, a 10-point lead, and then the Rams ultimately coming down, scoring the game-winning drive, and that was all she wrote. So what a matchup that we've got in the Super Bowl. I'll preview this matchup next week on next week's show of Moonlight Madness. That'll be the episode before Super Bowl Sunday, before the big game. So I'll preview this matchup then and who I think is going to win. We'll see how the betting line shifts over the next week, and then we'll preview that in what are the odds next week. But I think both of these games were just incredible. And coming after a week where the divisional round was just some of the best playoff football we've ever seen, these two games lived up to the hype yet again. There was no drop-off, in my opinion, when it came to these conference championship games. And I'll be honest, I – and if you remember last week, I had picked the Bengals to – plus seven, but I really thought the Chiefs would win, and I thought the 49ers would win. I really did. I thought, you know, the 49ers have had the Rams number all season long. I think they're going to get it done again, but they didn't. And then when it came to the Bengals and Chiefs, I really thought, you know, the Bengals have had their success. This was a year that they were not supposed to be anywhere, like near here, and I just thought that the Chiefs would have too much power on offense to – I thought the Chiefs would have too much for the Bengals to handle. And they did in the first half. But then the second half, I mean, I can't say enough about the Bengals' defense getting pass rush on Patrick Mahomes, knocking away passes, stopping the run, all of those things, forcing three and outs and punts, all of those things added up. The Bengals' defense was the MVP for that team on Sunday to get them to a conference or get them a conference championship win and get them onto the Super Bowl. So you got to give them credit. No. If you, if you said at the beginning of the season or even halfway through that this team, that the Cincinnati Bengals was going to be in the Super Bowl, you're lying because nobody said that. And that's okay. That's the great thing about sports is a team like this can make a run and nobody can see it coming. And like I said, we'll preview the matchup of the Bengals and the Rams on next week's show. It's going to be a fantastic game, just an early preview. The Rams have a lot of talent, man. But we said the same thing about the Chiefs. I did at least. The Rams have a lot of talent. The Bengals are living high. They're America's team right now. And that's going to be a good game. It's going to be tough. But, again, we'll preview that next week on the show here on Moonlight Madness next Thursday from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Time or wherever you get your podcast, Moonlight Madness. But overall, 
I think both of these teams deserve to be here. I don't think either one of these teams, well, you could say that the Rams were predicted or could have, should have been here because the Rams have gone all in this season. They have spent so much money, more than any other team in the league, to get all of the weapons that they have on that offense and defense. The Rams are all in this year. And they went all in to win a Super Bowl this season. And if it doesn't happen this season, then it's a failure. So at least now they've at least made the Super Bowl and they've given themselves a shot. If the Rams would have lost in the conference championship game or the divisional round, it would have been bad news bears for the Rams because everybody would have been gone. Sean McVay probably or maybe would have gotten fired. Things would have gotten extremely nasty and ugly in L.A. if the Rams one, didn't at least make the Super Bowl, and two, now they got to win it. Now they got to finish the job for them to have a successful season and a successful offseason from last offseason where they went all in on this team. You got to think they have Matthew Stafford, Sony Michelle, Cooper Cup, Odell Beckham Jr., and those are just the guys on offense. They've got guys, they've got some studs on defense as well. And so the Von Miller, Von Miller Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. I mean, those guys are studs on the defensive side of the football as well. So the Rams went all in this year. They had to. They had to go all in. They did. And now it's time to see if the Rams can finish this thing against the Cincinnati Bengals. And for the Bengals, I mean, this is farther than what anybody thought they would ever be this season in the Super Bowl. I'm 22 years old, and the Bengals have sucked my entire life. That's just being honest. And all my friends in Ohio, most of them are Bengals fans. They know what I'm talking about. The Bengals have been terrible for our entire life. They've made some playoffs every now and then, but they've lost in the first round every single time. So in my opinion, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. Just because you make it, if you don't win, it doesn't matter. But the Bengals have been terrible, but here they are. They've got a shot to win a Super Bowl year two under Joe Burrow, and I think they got a legitimate shot. It, it, it's terrible that C.J. Uzama, the uh, Auburn grad, Auburn player, former Auburn Tiger, got hurt in that conference championship game. He got hurt early, too, first quarter. And I really thought he was going to be a big impact player for this Bengals team. And he was all season long, but I really thought he was going to be an impact player in that conference championship game and in the potential Super Bowl game. Now that they're in it, they're going to hurt, and they're going to miss him quite a bit. And uh, T. T Higgins is going to be have to have a big game in this Super Bowl. But, again, we'll preview that later on. But just wanted to shout out C.J. Uzama, who, who got hurt in that conference championship game and will be out for the Super Bowl. Well, that wraps up number one of the big three here on Moonlight Madness. When we come back, we'll jump into number two and number three of the big three. College football recruiting class is wrapped up, and Tom Brady, the GOAT, retires. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. We are rolling on with the big three here tonight. It is Thursday, February 3rd, 2022, and we're rolling on with the big three, jumping into number two. The college football national signing day wrapped up yesterday on Wednesday. Today is Thursday. Wrapped up yesterday on Wednesday for college football. And there's a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss when it comes to these recruiting classes for college football, this 2022 recruiting class. Auburn, of course, finished number 18 in the country, number eight in the SEC. We will get into that in just a second. But National Signing Day wrapped up yesterday, and it stinks because, of course, the early signing period has now really taken full command of when recruits commit to schools and sign with schools and stuff like that. 
Because back in the day, it used to be, I say back in the day, I'm only 22, but back when I was in high school, right, National Signing Day was a huge deal. It was in February. It was always this early February period where all the big-time commits from across the country were committing to their schools. They had the hat choices. They were at their local high schools doing their thing, and everybody committed on National Signing Day. Well, now they have the early signing period, which means in December, if you're ready to commit, you're ready to go, you're allowed to do so. You're allowed to commit, sign, and you're you're locked in, ready to go. And I would say, I would say 85 to 90 percent of, for at least college football, 85 to 90 percent of the high school athletes that were committed to a sc- or committing to a school, they committed back in December on the early signing period, which is cool and it's fun. But then when this day rolls around, National Signing Day, in February, there's no, I mean, there's no fun. There's no excitement about it because only a handful of players are signing and committing on that day and there's nothing against those players there's a lot of good players that still commit on national signing day but 85 to 90 percent of the football players they've already signed committed committed signed and they're on they're ready to go and they're they're already done and so I hate that about how that has changed with the early signing period because I really do enjoy this day in February where every single player in college football or every single player in high school football is committing to play college football at their school. It used to be a lot of fun. It's just lost a lot of the, the excitement for it for me personally. But, but anyway, the recruiting, the recruiting classes are now wrapped up for your, here is your top. And we'll do the top. We'll go ahead and do the top 25 of the recruiting class of 2022 football team rankings in the recruiting class according to 24-7 sports. Number one, Texas A&M. They have signed, according to 24-7, they have signed the best recruiting class ever. This is the highest-rated recruiting class that has ever been signed by a college football team, according to 24-7 sports, which beats out last year's Alabama recruiting class, who had just broken the record for the highest-rated recruiting class. So Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher have come in with 29 commits, uh, that's the pretty sure that's tied for the highest in the country. It is tied with Georgia with 29 commits. They have just signed the best overall recruiting class ever. And that's big news. That's big news because Texas A&M didn't pay Jimbo Fisher $70 million to be average, play average, have average teams, and recruit average. They brought him in and paid him that kind of money because they knew he could do something like this. And that is exactly what he's done. So Texas A&M with the top recruiting class in the country, followed by number two, Alabama, number three, Georgia, number four, Ohio State, number five, Texas, kind of a shock on that one, number six, Penn State, number seven, Notre Dame, number eight, Oklahoma, number nine, Michigan, number 10, North Carolina, number 11, Clemson, hold on to that thought, number 12, LSU, number 13, Kentucky, number 14, Missouri, with 17 commits, a five-star, six two-stars, and 10 three-stars, there's a shock there as well, Miami, the U at 15, 16, the Tennessee Volunteers. Number 17, Stanford. 18 is Auburn. Your Auburn Tigers with 18 commits. No five stars, but 10 two stars and eight three stars. Number 19, Florida. 20, Florida State. 21, Indiana. 22, Michigan State. 23, Ole Miss. 24, Arizona. And 25 is Oregon. And here's another fun fact. 26, 27, 28, three more SEC teams. South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. 
So I just ran off a bunch of teams right there. That's your top 25 or really your top 28 recruiting classes for 2022. And I'll tell you what, man, I think my biggest shock good, like I guess the what's the way to word this, the my biggest shock and biggest surprise in their in their higher rank is Texas A&M. It's got to be. I did not expect Texas A&M to have the number one overall class in 2022, and I did not expect Texas A&M to sign the best overall class ever in the history of college football, according to 24-7 Sports. I did not see that coming at all. Now, I'll admit, I saw Texas A&M recruiting well. I saw them going to have good classes, and I saw Jimbo Fisher going to get good guys and good players to come to this program. But... I did not expect them to be the number one team in the country, and I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. I did not expect that at all. But again, they didn't pay him that much money to be mediocre and average at Texas A&M. There's too much money around that program for him to be mediocre. So he's the number one class in the country, number one class in the SEC, which in my opinion is more more important than the overall nationwide rankings anyway because the SEC dominates the top 5, 10, and 20, and 25, top 30, if you will, so it doesn't matter. The SEC and your ranking in the SEC is what matters because here's why. The top three recruiting classes are SEC. In the top 10, it's also those three, and I'll get to that in a second as well. Then at number 12, you have LSU, 13 Kentucky, 14 Missouri, 16 Tennessee, 18 Auburn, 19 Florida, 23 Ole Miss. And then 26, 27, 28, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Arkansas, which is huge. The SEC has one team outside the top 30, and it's Vanderbilt at 32. So just look at the SEC as a whole. When you recruit, that says you have to be a – basically you have to be a top 30 recruiting class just to even walk around in the SEC, just to even take the field with the SEC logo on your jersey. That's how big and important recruiting is in the SEC. And we'll dive in on Auburn's recruiting when we take a look around Auburn Athletics in the next segment. But, yeah, the biggest shock, I guess the biggest surprise was Texas A&M at one, and the biggest shock, that's the best way to put it, is Clemson at number 11. That's disappointing if you're Clemson and a Clemson fan, Clemson alum, Clemson player or Clemson coach. Anybody with Clemson, that is a disappointment that the Tigers are the number 11 ranking recruiting class in the 2022 class. That's not good enough for Clemson, and it shouldn't be. Dabo Sweeney is better than that. He's a better coach, a better recruiter, and Clemson's a better program than the number 11 recruiting class in the country. They have 20 commits, two five-stars, eight four-stars, and eight three-stars. And Clemson didn't have a good year last year on the field, it didn't look like. But they still had 10 wins, which is big time. I mean, that's 10 wins is 10 wins. But Clemson's not even the top in their conference anymore. And that's not good. That's not good. North Carolina is the top rated ACC team. And they're the 10th team in the national rankings. That's not good. North Carolina cannot carry the ACC when it comes to football. Clemson has got to be in the top five every year because over there, they're not competing with anybody else. Clemson runs the ACC. They've got to be better than the number 11 class in the country. But when you look, when you look across the top 30 of the, of the rankings, I mean, 
the SEC just dominates. And here's a point that I made on On the Line today. When you look at the next couple of years, two more of those teams can be added, Texas and Oklahoma. They're going to be in the SEC in just a few years. So the, the freshmen, the high school seniors, soon to be freshmen for those two schools in the next three or four years, they're going to be upperclassmen playing in the SEC. So look at it this way, and then we'll move on to number three. If you look at the top ten and you include Texas and Oklahoma as SEC as they will be in a few years, you have one, two, three, four, five SEC teams in the top ten. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve in the top twenty-five. Half of the top twenty, half of the top ten is SEC, and half of the top twenty-five is SEC when Oklahoma and Texas are included. That's unreal and unheard of and not can't be competed against by any other conference in America. So National Signing Day is wrapped up. The 2022 class is now committed, signed, and ready to go. Texas A&M with the top recruiting class in the country. That'll wrap up number two. Let's jump into number three here real quick before we go to break. I'm sure all of you heard the news around the NFL that Tom Brady, the GOAT, the GOAT, the greatest of all time, has retired. Tom Brady officially announced this week that he is done playing the game of football. He is committed to being a husband, a dad to his two daughters. Or I think he has a daughter and a son, excuse me. But he is committed to being a dad and a husband, and he has every right to do so. The man is 40-something years old. He has played professional football for half of his life. He has been a quarterback my entire life. He got drafted in 2000, and he has been an NFL quarterback my entire life. That's crazy to think about, I know. But there's no debating that the dude is the greatest to ever do it. He is. He's the greatest quarterback to ever play. He's the greatest player to ever play in the National Football League, and there's no denying it. You cannot deny it. He has seven Super Bowls. He started 20 out of 22 years. And in half of those 20 years as a starter, he made the Super Bowl 10 times. So if you average that out, out of the 10 years he was a starting quarterback, he made it to the Super Bowl every other year. That's insane. And he had seven of those 10 times he won. With two different franchises, with the Patriots and the Bucks, And those people that say that Tom Brady should have gone out of his way to thank the Patriots or the Bucks or whatever, he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to do that. He didn't get his moment to announce his retirement due to the reports that came out a couple of days before, which that I hate that for him, but that's their job. But anyway, Tom Brady retires from the NFL. He ranks first all time in these categories. Wins, Pro Bowls, Super Bowl MVPs, starts, completions, attempts, passing yards, passing touchdowns, three touchdown games, and four touchdown games. He has the most postseason appearances. He has the most games started in the postseason, the most wins in the postseason, the most Super Bowl appearances, the most Super Bowl wins, and he leads the postseason records of completions, passing yards, and passing touchdowns. The dude is the GOAT. Whether you like him or not, whether you – I was going to say respect him, but you better respect him because – He's the greatest to ever do it. And we just watched a legend retire. And it's hard to imagine a league in a season where Tom Brady's not going to put a helmet on, but that's going to be next season. 
Well, that wraps up the big three here on Moonlight Madness. When we come back, we'll take a look around Auburn athletics. We'll discuss Auburn football, men's basketball, and women's basketball, who is underway over at Auburn Arena versus Mississippi State. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on WeGo 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on WeGo 91.1 FM. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. We are halfway through the show here on WeGo 91.1 FM. If you're listening live, thank you so much. I appreciate you tuning in. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you so much for your listening every single week. If you want to listen to the podcast, just search Moonlight Madness wherever you get your podcasts. Now we're going to take a look around Auburn Athletics because, man, there's some stuff to talk about when it comes to Auburn. There's never a dull moment being an Auburn fan and around Auburn Athletics, right? It's always something going on here on the Plains. So first we'll talk about Auburn football, of course, we just wrapped up talking about some college football recruiting in the 2022 class, wrapping up yesterday with National Signing Day. Auburn finished number 18 in the country. That's number eight in the SEC. And fans are worried right now. I'll be really honest. We get a lot of calls over on On the Line from Auburn fans talking about, you know, whether they are okay with Brian Hartson and his performance so far in his recruiting class, whether they're disappointed, whether they're worried. And we get a lot of those things. And Auburn fans are worried right now. They just are. They're worried about this recruiting class and how they just don't think it's good enough. And at the end of the day, it's not good enough because number eight in the SEC is not going to get it done. Now, number 18 nationally isn't bad, but it's bad for Auburn because number 18 in the country is also number eight in the SEC. That's bottom half of the conference, folks. Teams like Kentucky and Missouri and Arkansas are out recruiting Auburn right now. And that that is not okay. That is not okay. That is not good. That is not the standard here at Auburn. Never has been, never will be, never should be. And I think Brian Harson knows that. In fact, I know he knows that. And if he doesn't, then he won't be here very long. But Brian Harson knows that. He knows that is not the standard. And that's not what Auburn fans want. That's not what Auburn needs. And he knows that. I'm telling you, he does. But here's the thing. you got to give Brian Harson credit, okay? When Gus Malzahn left, recruiting was in shambles. Auburn was 40-something in recruiting in the nation. That's, I mean, that's lower than Vanderbilt. That's lower than anybody else in the conference by at least 10 ranks. So that's what Brian Harson walked into for recruiting. They were still recovering from COVID, trying to get kids to campus, to sell Auburn, to sell the Auburn family, to sell the Auburn atmosphere. That's the biggest thing that Auburn has. That's what sells Auburn. That's what gets players to come to Auburn. So Brian Harson was having to deal with that, not being able to fully do that, and still having to learn all that stuff himself. You can't be an Auburn man day one. That's something you have to be built into and learn and grow into. And I think Brian Harson is doing that. And he's trying to sell these kids on that and something that he's still trying to learn himself. And I think that's an important factor as well. I'm not saying he's not an Auburn man, but you get what I'm saying here. But here's the thing I've always been preaching. You've got to give him time. You've got to give him time. Brian Harson is not going to turn this whole program around in one year. He hasn't and he won't, and that's okay. I understand what Alabama's doing. I understand what George is doing and now what Texas A&M is doing. I get it. I do. I get it. But those programs have their guy and have had their guy for years now. For years, they've had their guy building the program. Brian Harson just got here. 
They just got here. And I understand that this season, this past season, was not good. Six and seven is not good. That's not Auburn standard. I get it. Bo Nix got hurt, and that changed the whole season. And you can't tell me otherwise. That changed the whole outlook on the and the, and the, and the turnout of the whole season. And the production of the whole season, everything. The whole season changed when that happened, okay? And that affected recruiting, and that's how it goes. But it's still year one. It's still the first year of Brian Harson. He just finished his full first year. This is just the beginning of year two. This was his first full year of recruiting, and I think he did okay. He has a top 20 class. I've said it on here. A top 20 recruiting class for Brian Harson would be a miracle. It'd be a miracle, and I still believe that. And here we are. He has an 18 class, 18 ranked class in the country. That's a miracle, and that's just the truth. Of course, yes, back in December, Auburn was 13th in the recruiting class, which was fantastic. We had a great shot to pull a top 15 class. and we talk, I talked about it on here. I think Daniel was on here with me. We talked about that, how I said top 20 was a miracle. Top 15 would be a godsend. But Auburn lost some traction from December to February. Coaching changes players leaving, transfer portal, all those things had stuff to do with that and had something to do with that. Auburn lost some ground on recruiting, but they're still the number 18 class in the country. Yes, they're the number eight class in the SEC. No, that's not going to get it done. But you've got to give Brian Harson time. And at the end of the day, that's all we can do as Auburn fans is give the man time. We cannot demand such high expectations after the first year. You just can't do it. Some fans are going to do it, and that's okay. I just hope they give Brian Harson the benefit of the doubt. I'm trying to, and I think Auburn fans need to do the same. Let's transition into the good things happening on the campus of Auburn University. Auburn has this team that's ranked number one in the country. The Auburn men's basketball program is still your number one team in America. Last Tuesday night at Auburn Arena, on their home floor, Auburn hosted Alabama. Alabama made the two-and-a-half-hour drive over from Tuscaloosa to take on Auburn, and they were not ready for what hit them. Auburn put up 100 on those boys. Auburn won 100-81 to over the Alabama Crimson Tide in a game where Auburn took a big lead into the the locker room, and I knew coming out of halftime Auburn was going to blow it. They were going to let Alabama come back in, and not not necessarily blow it, but they were going to let Alabama back into that basketball game because Auburn's done it all season long. And Bama hit 14 threes that night, folks. 14 three-pointers. That's 42 points. That's half of their points were on three-pointers. They scored 42 of their 81 points on the three-ball. So Alabama came out of the locker room playing extremely well. They had two guys going off from anywhere on the floor, and they got the lead all the way down. It was like a 14-point lead at the half or something, and Alabama brought it all the way back and got it within two points. But then Auburn said, "Uh uh-uh, no, we ain't having that. And they took off, and they showed why this team is the number one team in the nation. They showed why this team is the favorite to win the national title. They showed why they're the number one team in the country, and and they showed why they're better than – they're just flat out better than everybody else. They ended up winning 100-81. to The walk-ons came in, put a few points to make that a triple-digit score for Auburn. Now they have to go on the road Saturday in two days to Georgia – which obviously Georgia is not very good. This is a game that Auburn should win easily. But SEC road games are hard to win. They're tough places to play no matter what. I think Auburn fans are going to be pretty well represented there in Athens from what I've heard. 
But nevertheless, an SEC road game is still hard to win. It doesn't matter who you're playing, whether you're playing Georgia, Vanderbilt, whoever, they're still hard to win. So Auburn has to show up, play their A game, and if they do, if they just play good basketball, they ain't got to play great or anything. If they just play good basketball, they're going to win that game, and I'm not worried about it at all. Then the next week, next Tuesday night, they got to travel to Arkansas. Now that's the game that Auburn and Auburn fans should be scared of, ready for, because if not, that's the one game on the remaining schedule for Auburn that I could see this men's basketball team losing. Not saying they're going to. They're better than Arkansas by far. But Arkansas is playing pretty good basketball. And playing at Arkansas is not easy. That is a tough place to play over at Arkansas. It's just a tough place to play. And that's the lowest BPI percentage chance of Auburn to win a basketball game this season. I think it's like 56% chance for Auburn to win. Everything else is in the 80s and 90s. And Auburn, they, they better be ready. If, if they're not ready, that's a game that I could see them losing. If they come out and play like they did in the Missouri game, it's going to be over. They'll lose that game by six, seven, eight points. But if Auburn shows up to ready to play like they did against Alabama, then they're going to take care of business, and I'm not even worried about it. And then other than that, there's really nobody else on the schedule besides Tennessee that I'm really worried about Auburn losing. Um, a loss would not kill this team. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. A loss is not going to kill this team. It's not going to hurt this team. It's going to benefit this team. I'm not cheering for Auburn to lose. Of course, I'm a big Auburn fan, Auburn student, so I want Auburn to win and continue to be successful. But a loss does not hurt this team. It will benefit them because it will humble them just a little bit. It will show, hey, we're not this unstoppable force. We can be beat if we don't show up and play every single night. I think the Missouri game was a big factor in that. I think the Missouri game did humble this team a lot because it showed, wow, if we don't play our best ball, or if we don't play good, we have a chance to lose. Now, Auburn was too talented and just too good eventually, and they ended up winning that game. But I think they were humbled a little bit, but they still won. Now, if they go on the road and lose at Arkansas, they're going to say, look, now we know if we don't show up and play our best ball, we can lose. And that's the kind of mentality they need to have going into the SEC tournament and eventually into the NCAA tournament. Because if you go into that with a 20-something game win streak and just feel like you're unstoppable, it's easy to get lazy is not the word I'm looking for, but that's the word I'm going to use. It's easy to get lazy and comfortable in your routine and your practice and in your play because you just feel that you're better than everybody else. But you can run into a buzzsaw one night in the NCAA tournament and you're out and you're going home. The best team that's ever played in Auburn history, Auburn basketball history, could go home in the round of 32 if they're not careful and don't show up to play their best ball. I don't see that happening. I really do see Auburn winning the national title this year. They've got to continue to play good, but they're, they, have every, they have every chance to go and win the national championship, and I truly think they're going to do it. And then, of course, Auburn women's basketball. I want to give them a huge shout-out. Last week, last Thursday night, in Auburn Arena, they hosted the number four Tennessee Lady Volunteers. And for the first time in who knows how long, the Auburn women's basketball team defeated a top-five team they defeated the number four team, Tennessee Lady Volunteers, on, on Auburn's floor and got their first SEC win of the season, the first SEC win for Coach Jay, Coach Johnny Harris, and the place went nuts. The students stormed the court. It was wild seeing there in Auburn Arena last weekend. So shout out to Auburn Women's Basketball for picking up that win last week. That's a program-changing win, folks, and I really like Coach Jay and Coach Johnny Harris, what she's doing. I think she's got the right mindset. Kind of how I feel with Brian Harson with the football program. I think Coach Jay 
is doing the same thing with this women's basketball team. It's going to take some time because there's a big gap in women's basketball from the top and everybody else. But this women's Auburn women's basketball team, they're on the right track, and I truly believe that. Of course, they went out their next game on the road, and they didn't play good against Vanderbilt, and they got beat. They tried to make a comeback. Vanderbilt took a commanding lead. But they got beat, and they got beat pretty bad. And I think there was definitely a hangover from the big-time win. Maybe got a little comfortable, complacent, and didn't play their best ball. And they ended up getting beat. But they are over currently playing in Auburn Arena with number – or they're not, they're not ranked. But Mississippi State is in town to play Auburn women's basketball over to Auburn Arena. That score is currently tied at 24 with three minutes to go in the second quarter. But I just wanted to shout out the Auburn women's basketball team who picked up a huge win against the number four team, Tennessee Lady Volunteers. Well, when we come back, we'll enter the final segment of the show. We'll take a look at the live score update from scores around the country, and then we'll dive into what are the odds. You're listening to Moonlight Madness here on Wego 91.1 FM. Welcome back to Moonlight Madness here on Wego 91.1 FM. I'm your man, Jacob Goins. We are entering the final segment of the show. If you missed any part of the first 45 minutes, you can always catch up with the podcast, Moonlight Madness, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Goins2Jacob. That's G-O-I-N-S, the number two Jacob, for all show news and sporting news, show updates, everything like that. Make sure you follow me on Twitter. Uh, I've been trying to get more active on my Twitter, so make sure you give me a follow, and I'll make sure to follow you back as well. Well, I'm going to give you a live score update from some events going on around the country, and then we will jump into what are the odds. So as I mentioned right before the break, Auburn women's basketball currently hosting Mississippi State over in Auburn Arena. It was 24 all at the break right before we went to commercial or a a PSA break, and Mississippi State has gone on a little 5-0 run and is currently 29-24 Mississippi State over Auburn with 149 to go in the second quarter there from Auburn Arena. There's some ranked men's basketball going on tonight. I'll give you a little score update on some of those games. The big one of the night out on the West Coast, number three UCLA versus number seven Arizona, big time top ten matchup over on the West Coast. Arizona all over UCLA, 42-28 to with a minute to go in the first half. That is a 14-point lead for the Wildcats all over the Bruins so far. Number two Gonzaga takes on San Diego tonight. That is at 8 o'clock. Number 19, USC, taking on Arizona State. And one game was postponed. Iowa was supposed to visit Ohio State, but that game has been postponed. Some NBA scores for you tonight. The Minnesota Timberwolves currently taking on the Detroit Pistons. Timberwolves on top, 93-89 to at the end of the third quarter. Heat and Spurs, Heat on top big, 88-66 at the end of the third period, or end of the third quarter, excuse me. Hawks hosting the Suns. Atlanta currently on top of Phoenix, 64-63. to halfway through the third quarter, and the Chicago Bulls currently trailing the Toronto Raptors 54-52 to with 11.48 to go in the third. Two more games to go off tonight. Lakers and Clippers out in L.A. at 9 o'clock on TNT, and the Sacramento Kings visiting the red-hot Golden State Warriors. That game is also at 9 o'clock Central Time. No NHL games going on. It's All-Star break for, I believe, yeah, it's the All-Star break now. They had some games last night, and then it's All-Star weekend for the NHL this weekend. Well, that was your live score update. So now we will jump into what are the odds. We have just a few more minutes left on the show. So we're going to talk about what are the odds. It's a little bit more difficult this week because I always like to do some of the football games coming up for the weekend. And now there's only one game left, and it's not until next weekend. So this makes it a little bit more tough um, 
for the live show. So anybody that's listening live, you're going to get my picks for a couple of the late-night games tonight for college basketball. And I'm going to have to figure out something for the next few months. Of course, this is the last semester of my show because I'll be graduating. So I'm going to have to figure out something for for what are the odds now because there's only one game left, of course, and I'm going to have to figure out something. So I will let you know what that is, but I better figure out something because, folks, I am on fire, okay? This semester has been extremely good to me when it comes to what are the odds. I went 4-0 and last week, folks. I picked both of the NFL Conference Championship games, and I picked two basketball games for that night last Thursday. I went 4-0 and last week, y'all. I am now 10-2 and overall this semester. That means I'm on fire, for those of you that are wondering. 10-2 overall this semester. Of course, I'll probably bomb this week, but that's, we'll, we'll see. That's okay. So 10-2 overall on my picks for what are the odds. I've got three of them total for you tonight. Two of them are basketball games tonight, and one game is tomorrow. And the problem is I can't give you picks for Saturday's basketball games because those, those lines won't come out until tomorrow either tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon. So none of those betting lines are set yet. They always come out the day before. So that makes it a little bit more difficult for what are the odds. But I'll figure something out. Don't you worry. I will figure something out. But nevertheless, for some of the games that are currently, or excuse me, are about to go off tonight, and of course my show's a little bit later, so a lot of the games like that, or UCLA and Arizona game has already gone off. I was going to pick Arizona minus six and a half, just for the record. But I didn't tell you before, and it's easy to say hindsight's twenty twenty. It's forty two to thirty in that game going into the half. So, you know, take that as you will. But anyway, for my picks this week, I've got two basketball games tonight and a men's game tomorrow as well. So tonight, here are the two games that I like: out west in the Pac twelve, Oregon traveling to Colorado, nine o'clock FS one. That is nine o'clock Central time. The Ducks taking on the Buffs. The line is currently Oregon minus two and a half. And the total is currently set at 139 and a half. Of course, that is the total amount of points that Vegas thinks both teams will score. Oregon is the favorite at minus two and a half. That means Vegas is predicting them to win by two and a half or more points. So if you put money on that, you would have to have the Ducks win by three points or more. And if you put money on Colorado plus two and a half, they can lose or they can win or lose by up to two and a half points. And then with the total 139 and a half, you can either bet that it's going to go over 139 and a half or it's going to go under 139 and a half. That is the simplest way I can say on how it works. So for my pick on that game, the total's 139 and a half. I like the over of that game. That's a implied final score of 71 to 68 and a half in favor of Oregon. I like these two teams to score some more points. They played just a few games ago, and the final score was 82-78. to But Colorado's coming off a very poor scoring performance of 43 points, but Oregon scores a lot. I think Colorado gets back to scoring the basketball tonight. That game is at 9 o'clock Central time. I like the over 139.5 in the Oregon-Colorado men's basketball game. And another game tonight, USC visiting Arizona State, another Pac-12 game. It's easy to pick those because they're all later uh, later times for tip-off. The line's currently five and at minus 5.5 USC with an over-under of 134.5. I like USC minus 5.5 on the road. Arizona State's just not that good. They're 6-12. They give up a lot of points. I just don't – I don't like 
Arizona State to really compete in this game. USC is the number 19 team in the country. They're 4-1 and one in their last five games, and their only loss was to Stanford by three points. This is a team in USC that averages 75 points a game compared to the 63 of Arizona State. That's why I'm not going to touch the over-under, but I like USC on the road, minus 5.5 against Arizona State. That is my second official pick of the night. And then one more for you before we get out of here. Creighton visiting Seton Hall on a Friday night. Big E's matchup. I love Big E's basketball. It's some of my favorite to watch in college basketball. Give me the Blue Jays on the road, plus 6.5 at Seton Hall. I love that pick. I think the Blue Jays are playing extremely well right now. The Big East is extremely competitive when it comes to basketball. Providence has a two-game lead in that division or in that conference somehow. That's so crazy to me. Six o'clock tomorrow night, Central Time at FS1. Give me Creighton plus six and a half on the road at Seton Hall. That is my third official pick of the night. But that game is tomorrow. So I have three picks for you here on what are the odds tonight? The over 139 and a half of Oregon versus Colorado. USC minus five and a half versus Arizona State. Those two games are tonight and one game tomorrow. Creighton plus six and a half at Seton Hall. Well, that's going to do it for me here on Moonlight Madness. I want to thank you all so much for listening to the show. If you listen live, thanks so much for spending your evening with me. If you're listening to the podcast, I really appreciate you putting it on, whether you're at work, school, walking, doing whatever you're doing. I really do appreciate everybody tuning in to the show. My name is Jacob Goins. And again, if you missed any part of the live show, you can always listen to the podcast. Just search Moonlight Madness wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back next week, Thursday, 78 p.m., right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'll see you then. War Eagle. Thanks for listening to Moonlight Madness. Tune in next Thursday at 7, right here on Weagle 91.1 FM, Auburn. If you ever miss a show, just search Moonlight Madness on your podcast app of choice. Tune in next time for Moonlight Madness, Thursdays at 7, right here on Weagle 91.1 FM.